you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that Daniel is going into the hospital as we're getting ready to begin a series on prayer. And so he went in, and uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff I could tell you. I, won't, I don't want to divulge too much because I don't want to uh, uh, tell more than I should. But that, here's the one part I can tell you. They thought that he had brain cancer. And so they went in. We've been praying for him. They went in, and it was not brain cancer. What they discovered, it was an infection in his brain. He had brain surgery last week. Daniel came into the service today at the, the very first service and sat down. That's pretty tough, you know, for a guy who just had brain surgery. And so it's just been a really neat thing. And so I really believe this. I believe that God has responded to the prayers of his people for Daniel. And so we are looking forward to what, what God's going to continue to do in his life. He has some other things that he's going to be dealing with, uh, but we're just excited to see him in church today. So I just, you know, that's a little side. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. So that being said, today, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 18. We're going to be looking in verse number one in a few moments. And our focus today is obviously it's on prayer, but what we're going to be talking about concerning prayer is, is praying hard. Now, you know, so what in the world does that mean? What does it mean to pray hard? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but I want to, uh, I want to share with you a, a story that I read about a couple of weeks ago. It's talking about standardized tests. And it said in a standardized test that Japanese students score higher in the math portion of the test than American students. Now, the, the typical response to that has been, well, it's because Asian people are just simply better at math than American students are. But that was not enough for those who were in the, in, the, you know, in the educational community and scientific field. And they said, well, let's do a study, try to figure out what's going on. And so they had two different test groups. They had a test group of first graders from Japan and then a test group of first graders from the United States. And they gave them math problems. Now, they weren't really all that interested in figuring out if they gave the right answers. They were just curious as to how long they would work with the problems before they got an answer. And here's what they discovered. They discovered that the American students ended up trying to figure out the math problem for nine and a half minutes, whereas the Japanese students worked for 14 minutes on the same problem. Now, that's a, it's a 47% difference, and the, the conclusion was this. If you, any, if you do anything 47% of the time more than somebody else, then the odds are going to be pretty good that you're going to be better at it than the other people. And so they said it's really not an, an intelligence quotient. Instead, it's a persistence quotient that makes all the difference in the world. And as we are talking about prayer, I, I really believe this. I believe that the same thing could also be said concerning prayer. That if we are looking for answers to our prayer and we're looking for God to move in our prayer and to make, to make moves in our life, then there's something that's to be said, that there's something to be said for persistence in our prayer. Because I think a lot of times when we pray, and I'm, I do the same thing, a lot of times I'll say, I need to pray about that, you know, God bless this day, and then I'm done. You know, I just sort of, I just sort of move on. But, my, but the calling that I have is that I am called to be persistent in my prayer and to pray hard and to pray with conviction when I pray. And so that's why we're continuing our series today, Circle Maker, as we talk about prayer. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to pray hard. Now, I know that whenever you say, they say, I'm going to pray hard. And what exactly, what does that mean? You know, I'm going to pray, I'm going to sweat when I pray. That means that I'm praying hard. Uh, you know, so I, it sound, to me, it just sounds real good to say, I'm going to be praying hard for you. But I, I'd like some more specifics about exactly, you know, exactly what does that mean? What are some examples that I can see in Scripture concerning what it means for me to pray hard? 
Well, here's the good news. Today in our scripture, we're going to see an example of praying hard. Uh, Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, about a widow lady who was in need, and we see in her life that she prayed hard. And and she shares with us in her prayer life several demonstrations of exactly what this means. And so that's why we're going to look in Luke chapter 18. And again, it's a parable. But it's an interesting story because what Jesus is doing in the story is he's trying to get the point across as to what it means to pray hard. And and what happened is there's this widow lady. uh, Her husband, obviously she's a widow, so her husband had died and she didn't have anything. She'd been sort of cheated out of what she did have. And so she went to a judge seeking justice. And the Bible says that she went to him over and over and over again until she finally got what she was looking for. And so it's in this story that, that we learn what it means to pray hard. And we're going to see some different demonstrations on how to pray hard from this widow lady. And here, here's the very first demonstration, example that we are given on how to pray hard. It's this. Whenever you pray, direct your prayers to the one who has power. You know, if we're going to pray hard... We're going to pray with consistency. It begins with where you direct your prayers. And the Bible says we are to direct our prayers to the one who has power. Now look with me in verse number 1. It says, He, and that's speaking of Jesus, then told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. And there was a judge in one town who didn't fear God or respect man. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Now, in this day in particular, it was very difficult for women on their own to make ends meet. It's not like there was a huge job market for women. I mean, it, was, it truly was. It was a man's world. And the only way that a woman was able to survive financially in those days, it was very much dependent upon to whom she was married. And so if her husband happened to die, it's not like she could go out and just say, I'm going to get a job and take care of myself. That, That really didn't happen. So she would have to live on what her husband left behind. Now apparently in this parable, this widow's husband had left her something behind, but somebody had come along and had cheated her out of her finances. So what did that mean? No, it meant she was in trouble. It meant she's going to have a difficult time making ends meet because she could not do it on her own. So what did she do? She began to look for somebody who had more power than she did to help her out. And so in our text, in this story, the one who could help her out, it'd be a judge. It'd be a judge who could, who could rule on her behalf. It could be a judge who could help her reclaim what really belonged to her. And so she sought out a judge. Now, judges in those days, you had to look for a judge. You know, they didn't just have a permanent building. What they did is they would travel around. They were like circuit court riders. And they they would travel around. They'd have a tent with them. They'd set up a tent. The judge would sit down and, and hold court. And so it was this lady's responsibility. She'd have to find out where the judge was going to be. She'd have to find out if he was going to be in the nearby town. And then she would make her way to him in order to seek justice. And so this was the predicament that she was in. But I think the predicament that she's in, we can, we can learn something from this. And what we can learn from this is that in all of our lives, there are going to be times 
when we will face circumstances and we will face situations where things move beyond our control. Where, where things will happen in your life and in my life that we personally can't do anything about them. And whenever that happens, what do we do? We do what this lady did. We seek after someone who has more power than we do. Now the point Jesus was trying to get across in this parable is that regardless of your circumstance, regardless of what you are going through, regardless of what you are experiencing in your life right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, you always have an outlet. And that outlet is God. It's one of the neatest things is we have the great privilege as followers of God to seek after Jesus, praying for his intervention in our lives. Look, look back in verse number 1 again if you have your Bible. It says, He then told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. That there's nothing too big or too small that you can't bring before God in prayer. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what your circumstances. If today, if, if you are broken spiritually, if you are broken in your marriage, if your health is broken, if you are struggling in your finances, doesn't matter what your circumstances, you always can seek after God for his intervention. You can always do that. That's why we're told that we are not to be discouraged. The word discouraged, it says don't be discouraged in praying. The word discouraged, very simply, it means to give up. Now the widow was very much, it was very easy for her to be in a place where she could say, you know what, nobody can help me out. I'm a widow, I don't have any money, I, I, I'm just out of luck. And she could have quit. But that's not what she did. Instead, she sought out the one who had power. Okay, now here's the question for me and you. Do you and I desire for some things in our lives to be different? Do you and I have things in our lives that we can look at where we say, those things in my life are broken and I need them to be restored? Now, if you can say yes to that, then here's the deal. You better approach one who can do something about it. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'll just be real honest with you. If there's some things in your life that are broken, I can't fix them. I can't. Now, I can point you to some things. But I personally cannot fix things. There's a lot of things that I can't fix. You can ask my wife. As a matter of fact, I can't fix anything. Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to being a handy person, y'all, I'm not handy in any way. I don't know how to fix anything. I don't know anything. I, I, give you an I don't know anything about cars. I, there's two things I basically know about cars. It's where you put gas, and then I know this about cars. Um, they're to be driven well. And uh, also, you're supposed to change oil. Now, that's, all, that's about all I know. That's the extent of it. Uh, do, this past fall, I can give you an example. This past fall, I got into my car. I was, I was just start, trying to start it up. I turned the key over, and it just sort of sputtered and wouldn't get going. And I tried it over and over again. Okay, then, now here's one thing I do know about cars. I know jumper cables. Y'all, if, if you ever need your car to be jumped, now I'm an expert. And so I went and I got my jumper I carry jumper cables. So I went and got my jumper cables, hooked it up to Emily's car, Jumped the car off, got it going again. And so I just threw the jumper cables in the back, drove to work, because jumper cables fix everything. And so I drive to work. Uh, after about, when it's lunchtime, I get up. I go to my car again to try to start it up. It won't start again. I'm like, what in the world? I mean, I, I did the solution for the problem, which is jumper cables. 
And so I had to look for somebody. I looked for, I think it was Matthew, and I, or maybe it was Jonathan, and, and I, I uh, hooked up the jumper cables of the car, started up again. I was like, ah, oh, it's fixed again. So I'm good to go. So I get my car, drive home, come back out. It won't start again. So at this point, I'm getting really ticked off because, you know, I mean, two, two jumps, that, that battery should be working. So then I jump it off one more time, and then I drive to a source that is higher than me. I drove to AutoZone. And so I, I drove over there, and I said, hey, listen, there's something wrong here. I mean, I've been working on this thing <laughs> for so long. I mean, I mean, I mean I've used jumper cables. This battery is a piece of garbage here. What's the deal? So they, go and they, they do a test on it, and the battery has a full charge. And I'm like, well, obviously there's something wrong with your charging machine because it does not have a full charge because I've jumped it three times. Well, they discovered what the problem was. It, the cable was not, it was, not tight, it was not tightened up, tight enough on the battery post. And so he just goes... Now try it. And it starts right up. So other than the fact I look like an idiot, I, I sat there and I was like, God, I told Emily that's what it was. So anyway, so I did, you know, so I, but what I did is I, I, I re- at least I recognized. Now, I'm not smart with cars, but I recognized I needed a higher source to deal with my problem. Because here's the deal. I couldn't deal with it. I didn't know what in the world to do. Now, that's sort of a stretch here. But in a sense, that's where the widow is. The, the widow's at a place where I, I've done everything I know, know to do, but nothing is being fixed. So what did she do? She went to one who had more power than she did. And, and that's where it begins for us in prayer. There has to be a recognition that there are some things in your life and my life that we cannot handle. Okay, there, there's going to be some times when things are beyond your control and my control. And when that happens, we don't quit. What do we do? We go to the one who has more power than we do, and that is God. And that's, that's where it begins in praying hard. We're told this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first demonstration on how to pray hard is to direct your prayers to the one who has power. You want to pray hard? You, you pray, you, it begins with you praying to God. So what's, what's another demonstration of praying hard? And this is where we get to some more of the nuts and bolts. I and mean, once you begin to direct your prayers toward God, here's how you begin to pray hard next. You pray specifically. And, and I like this one a lot. Pray specifically. Now look with me in, in verse number 3. It says, And a widow in that town kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Now, the book that, that I read that sort, of, that sort of moved us into this series was uh, called The Circle Maker. It's by a guy named Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. And one of my favorite little parts of the book was in chapter 3. And there was a, a quote he gave there. He said, the more faith you have, the more specific your prayers will be. And the more specific your prayers are, the more glory God receives. So here's the idea. If you're specific in your prayers, God will specifically answer your prayers. And so that brings me to a question. When you pray, are you more vague in your prayer or or, or are you specific when you pray? And I think for a lot of us, we're very vague in our prayers. I think sometimes we are vague in our prayers because if we're specific in our prayers and we're afraid, well, what if God, you know, I don't want God to let himself down. 
you know, I want to give him an out here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be specific because if I'm not specific, then if it doesn't happen, then I can't, then I can just go, well, I just gave God a break there. Other times I think we're afraid to pray specifically because we're afraid that that prayer is not going to be answered. But when I look into our text, I see the lady was very specific in her request to God. Now, it's to the judge, but this is a parable. If you look in verse number 3, she told, the, she told the judge, she said, Give me justice against my adversary. Now, the judge knew that she'd been robbed. And she comes in, she's very specific. She said, I've been, I've been messed around here. I want you to give me justice. And she said, against my adversary. And here's my adversary. She was specific. Now, now again, let me ask you a question. When you pray, are you specific or are you general? Because if you want specific prayers answered, pray specifically. Uh, Listen to what Mark Batterson also wrote in his book. He said, if our prayers aren't specific, God gets robbed of the glory that he deserves because we second-guess whether or not he actually answered them. We never know if the answers were the result of specific prayer or general coincidences that would have happened anyway. Now, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray specifically. Uh, the way that Jesus taught us to pray, uh, the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father who art in heaven, y'all know that prayer? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, earth as it is in heaven. Here's where it begins to get specific. Give us this day, what is it? Y'all good, that's right. Give us this day our daily bread. So they specifically prayed for sustenance, prayed for food. And lead us not into temptation. Prayed, prayed for God to protect them from temptation. Prayed for God to give them protection and safety. You read through that prayer, it, there's specific things that are asked for in this prayer. You see this all throughout the Bible. In Mark chapter 10, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus. The Bible says that he was sitting on the side of a road in Jericho. He's begging in order to survive. He's trying to get money. And, and he hears Jesus is coming by. Jesus is known as a healer at this time. One of the reasons why we sang that song, Healer. And, and he begins to cry out when Jesus walks by. He's crying. can't see him, but he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that Jesus walks over to him. This is so interesting to me. Jesus walks over to him and Jesus says, what do you need? What would you like me to do? What do you think? Well, I'm blind. I think it would be good if I could see. But, you know, but here's the deal. But you know, did you know there's sometimes when people don't want to be healed? You know, they just want to keep living like they are. I mean, Bartimaeus, I mean, he's making a living by begging. It could, I mean, Jesus could have walked over there, and he could have said, Jesus, man, I, tell people to give me more. You know, I, make, I mean, I'm doing okay, but I could, I could use a few more, you know, a few more bucks here. I mean, he could, he could have asked for that, but that's not what he did. Jesus said, be specific, what is it that you need? And he just said, I need to see. And it's almost like Jesus, when you read that passage of Scripture, it's like Jesus said, yeah, I can do that. So Jesus touches him, and the guy gets healed. And all of a sudden, the man is able to see. But here's the deal. Because he asked for something specific, something specific happened. Right? And there's no doubt that that miracle came about because he asked for healing. It wasn't luck. It wasn't coincidence. That's what's happening to the widow. The widow offered that kind of prayer up to the judge. She was telling the judge, I've been wronged. I don't have anything. This is the man who, who took my stuff. Give me justice. She prayed specifically. Now, if we're going to pray specifically, then that means that we need to have our eyes open so that we specifically know what's going on, so that we specifically know what kind of needs are there. Uh, a few weeks ago, I read this story, and I said, I don't know. I'm going to make this. I'm telling the story in church because it it it's a great story. There's a, and I don't know if it fits or not, but we're going to make it fit. 
There's a lady that lived, uh, she's in Florida, uh, Okaloosa County, Florida, and she ended up wrecking her car. She ran smack dab into the middle of a house. Now, so the police interviewed her. Here's what's interesting about the story, other than the fact that she ran into a house. They said, how did this happen? Here's what she said. She said, I was praying. And she was praying. What happened? When she prayed, she shut her eyes and kept driving. And she was praying because she shut her eyes. She ran through the stop sign and went right into somebody's house. Okay, here's the obvious lesson of the story. If you pray and in your car, keep your eyes open, right? So you none of you don't pray with your eyes shut. But, but here's the other side too. When we pray, and I'm not talking about really physically, but think about this. When we pray, guys, we need to have our eyes open when we pray. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. We need to be able to look at people and see the needs of the people that are around us so that we will know how to pray for them. We need to be able to keep our eyes open, examining our own lives, seeing what's happening in our own lives so that we will know specifically what to pray for. Ephesians 6, 8 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If we're going to pray hard, it means a few things for us. And we see the lady demonstrates it for us in our text. She, she prayed to the one who had power. She prayed specifically. But another demonstration for, for us on how to pray hard is this. This is the last one. Pray persistently. Okay? Not just specifically, but then you hang on to that and you pray for it over and over again. Verses 3 through 5. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he was unwilling. But later, I like this part, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice. So she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Now the judge is not a picture of God. Because I mean, it tells us that he does not respect God, doesn't think anything about people. But we see the way that he responded to the widow, even though he didn't really like people, didn't respect God. If he was going to respond to the widow because of her persistence, then the idea is, think of how God will respond to you. God who loves you, who cares for you, who wants the best for you. Think of how he will respond to you as you bring your prayers before him. Verse number 3, it says the widow kept coming to the judge. I mean, she's going to him over and over and over again. Verse number 5, the judge says, this lady, she keeps on pestering me. I like, that. I like that word a lot. That word pestering, what it means, it's a picture of a, of a boxer. And he is on top of another man, and he is repeatedly punching him in the face. Now, this doesn't mean that the woman was beating on the judge. But it means that her requests were being brought to him so many times over and over again. It was like she was beating him in the head with her request over and over again until he would answer. Now, during this day, it was common for a judge, before he ever heard a case, he would take bribes. This lady didn't have any bribes to give. You know what she had to give? She said, I'm, I'm, the only thing I got is I'm going to annoy him over and over again until he will listen to me. And he will grant me my plea. Now, I don't want you to take from this that you're saying, hey, listen, if I just bother God enough, that he will give me whatever it is I want. That's not what the text is saying here. You know, God is not our genie. And it's like, God, I'm telling you to hurry up and do this. And I'm going to keep asking until you just get sick of me. That's not it. 
That's not how God operates. That's how people operate. It's not how God operates. The idea that's being taught to us here that when we are persistent, we are showing God what's on our heart over and over again. And whenever we are persistent with God, then God, and if we are persistent in what God wills, you know what God's going to do? God will listen and God will answer. You know, whenever you have a request before God, you want to make sure that whatever it is I'm requesting, does it line up with what Scripture says? Or am I asking for something outside of Scripture? Whenever I'm asking for something, is it, is it something that, that would honor God? Is it something that would be pleasing to God? But listen to what Psalm 37, 4 says. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And the second part is really important. And He will give you the desires of your heart. See, whenever we are walking with God, then, then God will begin to give us His desires. And whenever we ask for God's desires, you know what God does? He gives us His desires. He provides. I look at this lady. She's asking for justice. She keeps coming to Him over and over again until she sees it happen. Uh, William Wilberforce was elected to the British Parliament when he was 21 years old. He ended up becoming a follower of God just a few years later. Uh, but he felt like once he became a Christian, he felt like God's mission for him was to end the slave trade. And so he began to work for slave trading to be abolished throughout the United Kingdom. And he worked for it for um, almost 20 years. And finally, after 20 years, uh, England went ahead and made it illegal to be involved in slave trading. But he wasn't finished yet. He, he, he's like, well, that's great. He said, but they, they still, what they did is they sort of like grandfathered in. If you had slaves and you could continue to have your slaves, you just can't get new ones. But he wanted those slaves to be emancipated. And so he continued to work for the freedom of slaves. Little did he know that he would continue working on that for the next 55 years of his life. And it finally happened where they outlawed slavery. They gave emancipation to slaves in 1833. Three days later, William Wilberforce died. He gave his entire life to seeking justice, to seeking what was right. And, and I thought about that, and I thought, that is an example of praying hard. You see, there's going to be times when we're going to be challenged, where we say, this is a part of what God wants for us. And the question for us is, are we, are we willing to be persistent even if it takes us our entire lives? Are we willing to circle in prayer the people that we love the most and pray that God would work in their lives, that God would draw them to himself, that God would bring them to a point of salvation. Are we, are we willing to pray for that even if it takes our entire lives and not quit? Are we willing to pray until we see it happen? And I thought, about, I thought about us as individuals. I really believe this. I believe there are some of you, and you have, you have marriages that need healing. There are some of you that have relationships with your kids that need to be restored. There are others of you, and you work with people that you love and care about, but you have not moved beyond, beyond that social step to talking to them about the things of God. Will you circle them in prayer and begin to pray for God to move in their lives? Pray that God would use you 
to tell them about Jesus, to invite them into the church? Will you be willing to pray until it happens? You know, I think about us as a church. And I look around, talking about being alert and being aware and praying with our eyes open. Every day when I drive into, drive into the office, I look and I see more and more trees coming down over here. And I see, I see houses that are coming up. Y'all realize that y'all know next door, there's going to be, and it's going to be around the corner as well, so it's a big piece of property, there's going to be over 400 houses next to this church. Now, I'm sure some of you are going, that is awesome, and I bet you there's some of you going, I hate to hear about that. But let me tell you something. God knew that neighborhood was going to be there before we ever did. And I really believe this. I, it is no coincidence that our church is sitting right here. I promise you that. Y'all, that is not an accident. So here, here's, here's, what we, here's what's up for us. We need to be circling that piece of property right there in prayer. And I want, to, I want to encourage you to join with me and do that. Let us circle that property in prayer and say, Jesus, as you have sat us here on purpose, Jesus, may we see hundreds and hundreds of people come to know Jesus because of the ministry of Village Church. I believe that's part of God's will. Y'all, when, when we pray, let us pray specifically. When we pray, let us pray boldly. When we pray, let us pray knowing that God desires for his will to be done. Let's not be vague. Let's be specific. Let's specifically ask God for big things. Because here's the deal. We ask God for big things because God's big. And big prayers honor a big God. So let's pray big. And let's pray consistently. And let's pray with passion. And let's pray persistently, even if it means we pray for the rest of our lives. Because we believe that God responds to his people. Thank <laughs> you.